Time for Talk of the Town with Lisa Kay. Good morning, Al Bat. Hey, Al. It's Lisa Kay. How are you? Hey, Lisa. I'm great. Hope you are as well. How you survived the heat? Uh, now we're, we're out of a heat advisory, thank goodness. Yeah. You know, I don't mind the heat, but boy, that humidity just kind of drags me down. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a chronic walker, and I've been trying to find a certain bird out here and showing people this this bird that I sometimes find and I sometimes don't. And boy, that uh, humidity is just oppressive. But, it is. Uh, you know, it, it's still a beautiful day and uh, we got a little bit of rain. And if the ceiling fan could hold my weight, I'd never be bored a moment. <laughs> so, yes. Truth is, I'm never bored. My father told me that if I liked birds, I'd, I'd never be bored a day in my life. Always something to look at. What kind of bird are you trying to show people? It's a uh, it, it's a rare bird, but it's not a rare bird. It's an eastern kingbird, but it's uh, it it's leucistic, so it's all white except for some dark feathers on its tail. So uh, it's I've never I've seen thousands of eastern kingbirds in my life, but I've never seen a white one. So it's mm. just there's something about a white bird that uh, whether it's an albino or uh, has leucism. Mm-hmm. It, uh, albinos typically will have red eyes is one of the things you look for there but it, uh, it I, there's something about it it just it, it thrills me to no end to see them and I just uh, and of course I'm trying to get a better photo because I think the first photo I took it it looks like the bird is maybe in Iowa somewhere <laughs> it, it's uh, certainly in a different area code and I'm just trying to get a better one and and of course, I want other people to see it and go, "Wow, that's that's really that's uh, nice," you know. And you just think, you just hope it's a, maybe it's a one of those little bright spots in a person's life, right? To see that and enjoy it with somebody else. Rare, but not rare. I like that. <laughs> it is, yeah, because <laughs> everybody says, "Well, Eastern kingbirds, man, they're everywhere," but it's it's a white one, so okay. it's, uh, it's got a little bit of rarity there. I'm going to have to look that up. I'll see if I've seen any or, or can find any of the rare ones. I think since the last time I talked to you, I got back from my uh, vacation, my cruise to Alaska, which was phenomenal. I know that you do a lot of talks in Alaska, sometimes virtually. Um, but I thought about you while we were out there and, and with all the wildlife and everything that we saw. It was amazing. Yeah, and uh, everywhere... Everywhere you go in Alaska, it's really beautiful. Um, I know a lot of folks say, well, boy, Anchorage is just a big city. And it is a a great share of the population of Alaska lives in Anchorage. But, you know, it's beautiful, too. Everywhere you go in Alaska is a lovely place. Right. We we didn't hit Anchorage, but since we were cruising, we did Juneau and Ketchikan and Skagway. Um, and then we went up to uh, Victoria, British Columbia. Oh, British, um, yeah. But we did go whale watching, and I got to see. I was thinking to myself, oh, I'd really like to see an orca, right? The yep. beautiful black and, and white. But um, we actually saw humpback whales, which I didn't realize were so much larger. I had to look at the whale chart um, and see where they fell. But They are uh, gigantic. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've gone out and watched them. It's just... Uh, a fun, fun thing to do. And it, did it rain in Ketchikan when you, you know, were there? It did, did not. Know? It cool. did not. It was beautiful. It was strange because we only had a kind of winter jackets on one day when I think it hit 40. Otherwise, it was maybe sweatshirt weather or, you know, sweatshirt and shorts or 
uh, pants and a short sleeve shirt. It wasn't. It was beautiful. They said it was very un-Alaska-like weather. <laughs> and you got a nice trip into Denali. Um, it, we where did we go? Uh, Glacier Bay, I think. That's, Glacier Bay. Yeah, we okay. went into Glacier Bay. So I we actually were on the ship. Uh, and the ship goes into Glacier Bay and kind of spins around, so everybody on all sides of the ship gets a chance to see the glaciers um, from so, all so angles. So you, you were on the ship the whole time? Um, in Glacier Bay, Paul. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but we did get off in the ports, and you know we did some ATVing and things like that, so that was fun. But I've never seen a glacier before, and they were explaining how they were, you know, they'd put on five feet on the back end, but lose 50 feet on the front end at the same time, so it's, you know... I, it was interesting. We saw a big chunk of a uh, glacier called Marjorie break off and go into the water while we were there. That calving? Was, oh, we we did we did see some. I I don't know if they were calving. Uh, the whales were feeding, but is we that we always called it when the glacier was oh, break off? Oh, we the, would call it calving. Calving. Okay. It would, it would sound like a rifle shot sometimes. Oh. Just make this big loud noise and. Everybody, we'd gather, and we just all go, ooh, that kind of thing. It was like fireworks without any fireworks. Right. Well, the ship did do that. I did hear quite a bit of ooh, and we watched this big chunk <laughs> yeah. just fall into the water. But, you know, when I made it back home, my garden happened to survive while I was gone, but I was out there, and I had, um, I'm having this influx of hummingbirds right now, which I I thought that that season might have been over. I don't know, but I had one the other day that literally stopped mid-flight, looked at me close enough to me where I could see its beak opening and closing and was just hovering and looking at me. And I have that, once again, that thought in my brain, can I reach my camera in time? I don't, because I can't just enjoy the moment, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as I thought that camera thought, it, it flew off. But it was so close to me this time. I've never been that close to a hummingbird. It's uh, funny you mention a friend just called and had the same thing. He was out um, puttering around in his garden, I guess. He he said he was muttering in his garden, and he probably was because it was so dry. But he said the same thing. It flew right up in his face, and he was trying to reach down into his pocket to get his (laughs) cell phone to get uh, the picture, and, of course, he wasn't quick enough there. Uh, You're not going to beat a hummingbird on the quick draw, I guess. The best thing you can do is just hope they come back. At the, uh, I, I spoke at the Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah here a week ago. And <laughs> they love was, an alliteration, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, incredibly hot, and the uh, Donald Mitchell, who does the banding there, banded two oh. hummingbirds was all. They're just, uh, they weren't there. I don't know if it was the oppressive heat or what was going on. At home here, I have quite a few. The the males, the adult males, they're gone. So what we have here now are the female, adult females, and then the young ones. Oh. And they will fight over. They want to... They want to protect their food resources, so one will just say whether it's flowers or nectar, it'll declare that area, that territory, as hers or his, and then will attempt to chase any other hummingbirds that come in there. So there's a huge game of tag that goes on in the yard with them just buzzing at one another, but it's all about food. Oh, when that, Where did the males go? They don't help the females? 
You know, males are, uh, <laughs> you know. How, how do we say are, this nicely? <laughs> yeah, the hummingbird moms are single mothers, and the male hummingbirds provide no care to their offspring whatsoever. They are deadbeat dads. A father hummingbird is a faux pas, P.A. The female uses moss, lichens, grass, spiderwebs to build a nest, and she lays two tiny eggs, and she feeds them all on her own. She protects them. She uh, marks that territory and will defend it. The male, on the other hand, he's off. He has a territory all of his own. The female has a territory. He has his territory. But his territory usually has something to do with flowers, and it's a place where he can find plenty to plenty to drink whenever he wants to. But it's, it's nectar, not uh, you know, bush light or something. He's <laughs> over there drinking nectar, but he does uh, defend that territory. That's interesting. I had no idea they didn't kind of stick with each other so no it just didn't work out and it never does with any of them no (laughs) i guess it's like that in real life too um somebody wants to know when they when do you start to hear cicada is it cicada is that the clinic okay because i've heard cicada but cicada yep cicada cicada when do they hear them it was odd and i spoke again in henderson and i talked a bit about cicadas and that we weren't we heard some in henderson most years we hear a lot and i don't know you wouldn't think it'd be because of the drought because they feed on tree roots so they're underground i did not hear them here at home some years at home here i hear them at the end of june as early as the end of june but it this year we well we hear the sound of that distant buzzsaw of the dog day cicada in early july Mm -hmm. typically and it continues into September. And again, some years I've heard them as early as late June. But this year, August 21st was when I really started hearing them. So just now. And now when I go outside, they are everywhere. I hear them. And I don't know why why they were late. I don't know what's going on there. Folklore says when you hear the first song of the Dog Day Cicada, Frost is six weeks away. Oh. And when I was a kid, they called them locusts. So they said, when you hear the locusts, six weeks frost. Okay. Oh, we got six weeks then, huh? Yeah. Don't uh, bet any money on that. <laughs> it's kind of like Groundhog Day almost. <laughs> it is, it just, sort of. It happens. Yeah. Do we have any of those, um, for the cicadas, there are those predatory wasps that I heard about. That Do, do we have those here that will... Attack we cicadas? do, okay. and they're uh, cicada killers. Okay. And boy, there's a descriptive name. They just sat around and said, "What should we call these things?" Well, they kill cicadas, and the thing is, they should be cicada paralyzers because mm. they don't kill them. Oh. They well, they, I guess they're young, do so. <clears throat> so uh, a cicada killer is a good name, but. It, they paralyze. I, I saw one yesterday here buzzing around the yard, and they fly around, and the, the female will find a cicada. It will sting it, paralyze it, and a good, good year, the female wasps may create and fill more than a dozen nesting chambers and may hunt and paralyze over 30 
cicadas. Oh, wow. And then she puts them in those chambers, and if it's a female egg, she'll put in two or three cicadas. If it's a male egg, he gets one, and the reason for that is she's much more important than he is. And number two, she's much bigger than he is. Mm. He's a little guy in comparison, but he's feisty and I know folks say I'm out in the yard and one comes up like your hummingbird did. They'll buzz right up in your face and say, just beat it, pal. Wow. The little male, and when you see him, he looks gigantic. Just compared to her, he's little. He cannot sting. He doesn't have a stinger. So it's all bluff. He's just trying to get you to get out of there. The female does not want to sting you because she wants to save her uh, stinging uh, for cicadas because that's her job and we only see these cicada killers they're big wasps we only see them in july and august each year and then they're gone okay they're uh, really fun you know the cicada is about the same size as they are so when she gets one and has to carry it and drag it and try to fly it a little bit back to the nest what a uh, what a workout that is. She doesn't need a gym membership mm-hmm. because of that. So they're they're fun to see, and I've never been stung by a single one of them. I think still if you would grab one, hold in your hand, and say something terrible about her mother, she might sting you. But <laughs> boy, other than that, they're not going to. And then what? so what is the purpose of the cicada then? I mean, other than for the wasp food. I know that people... Um, you, you know, they get. The, is it the exoskeleton where they the new ones hatch mm-hmm. out of? It's I've seen yep. pictures of that. Um, I saw one on the tree here. It's okay, just, uh, it's kind of eerie. It's uh, otherworldly to see this thing, and I don't know what their purpose is. I was leading a tour out in Washington D.C. and we went down to the mall some years ago. And I'm walking around, and I'm bloviating and pontificating about who knows what. And all of a sudden, it was like a great orchestra where the maestro tapped his wand, and all the cicadas began to sing. And they have like 13-year or 17-year, I forget which one it was out there, so their numbers are beyond count. And I... I no longer needed to talk because nobody could hear me Hmm. at all. It was so noisy. So right then and there, I was thinking the purpose of cicadas was to give me a break, (laughs) I think. And maybe that is their purpose. I think, as you said, it's probably they're a food item for a prey item for other things. A lot of things eat cicadas. I don't know that there's anything I can really think of. They probably do something that we right. do not even know what they're doing. But they're just part of that. They're a rivet in the airplane. Ehrlich used to write, or he wrote about, a plane What in order to fly needs every rivet, and if you lose one little rivet, you could lose the plane. Oh, sure. And I guess a cicada would be one of those rivets. Sure. Absolutely. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know in, in like, bug identification somebody sent me a photo of something and they said oh my gosh these are all over my plants um am i going to have a problem they thought it was a box elder bug it was what gardeners know as soldier beetles so i said no that those are fine because those will eat aphids and you know those are a plant friendly beetle um but box elder bugs people don't seem to i don't what do they do and how do we keep them away they people don't seem to want them near 
<laughs> no. So. And the soldier beetles, uh, for some reason, they must look like villains or something, because I hear from people, too, saying, oh, I have these, and I describe, and they said, yeah, I think they're eating everything. Well, they're eating everything you probably want them to eat. Yes. So they're, they're just really, uh, I don't know. Neat is uh, they just look neat. I don't like them. Uh, box elder bugs. Oh, you know they congregate on our houses. I guess that's why we don't. That's like their them. job, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's a native insect, and they feed on well box elder, but they also feed on maple and ash trees. Okay. And they love the warm sun on buildings with a southern and western exposure. And uh, a guy told me at the fair I was working at, he said, I don't have any trees around. He has a new house, and he has just the little trees, and he said they're evergreens. But he said, yet I get box elder bugs. Is that fair? Mm. And they can fly several blocks easily. And I used to tell everyone they could fly the length of a football field without any problem to find your house. I read a study just recently, and the scientist uh, in charge of this published study said and peer-reviewed, they can travel as far as two miles to find a wintering place. Oh, wow. And, you know, they really don't hurt anything. I know folks just don't like them hanging on their house. So a real easy solution is to add Dawn liquid dishwashing soap to a spray bottle full of water, shake it up to combine it, and then spray directly on the bugs, and it will kill them. Okay. Oh, it seems kind of sad if they don't really do anything. It does. And I've mentioned this before. When they die... They fall on their backs and then cross their legs like oh, no. a casket or something. Oh. So just... <laughs> I don't want to do that. My no. goodness, man. Um, well, we hatched successfully butterflies at our house, and my sons had to release them while they were, is that right, hatched, um, watched, but uh, they were in a jar on the counter. But my sons had to release them while I was on the trip, so they said, we have this group of butterflies. What do you call that group of butterflies? And uh, these are monarchs that you were yeah. releasing. Yeah, they are so cool. And I've been seeing a lot of viceroys. This has nothing to do with your question, <laughs> but viceroys. And uh, they look very much like monarchs. Or a viceroy is a monarch mimic because they think a lot of birds and things will not eat monarchs after they've sampled one because it makes them ill. Mm. So this Viceroy looks very much like it, except he has a little line on the lower wing that you can see both when the wings are folded, closed, or when they're open. A group of butterflies, what would we think? We think flutter. I hear that a lot. People say flutter. Uh, I've heard swarm. I've heard rabble, which I don't care Hmm. for a rabble much. My favorite group term for them, or collective noun, is kaleidoscope. Boy, I think that just uh, that oh, that's pretty. that gathers it all because of all the various colors of butterflies and sizes. A kaleidoscope, a kaleidoscope. is the one I'm going to go with. I like that. Uh, and, and as I let you go today, I'll tell you that my mother, who watched the boys uh, and Maya release the butterflies, she said, "You know." They came back. They they came back because we released them on these flowers, and you know they they came back the next day. I saw them out there, and I said, "How do you know it was the same ones?" And she said. In the most sweet voice, they look the same. I said, that's a great thought. 
<laughs> a mother knows. A mother knows. We used to have kids release them at the Steele County Fair, and it was it was so much fun to watch them fly away and a big smile on the kid's face. Al Bat, thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope you have a rest of a wonderful August, and we'll talk to you again in September. Lisa, I look forward to it. I'm missing the fireflies already. I don't see many of them. And why do we love fireflies? Because it's nice to see someone using their turn signals. So thanks, everyone, <laughs> for listening.